Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 99 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Wayne Gretzky edition, because who else would be episode 99? That's That's got to be Wayne Gretzky. And I'm pleased to be joined in studio, uh, as always, by my co-host, uh, Rick Stevens. How are you doing on this fine day, Rick? I'm doing great. And uh, here we are in the uh, next off season, I guess, <laughs> uh, yeah. for the, the Montreal Canadiens. It, it is uh, at, moving into uh, September next week, and normally we'd be talking about training camps and, and those kinds of things. And that'll be put off until, uh, say, mid-November. So between now and then, we've got a whole lot of, um, uh, of things to talk about. Uh, wrapping up this season, looking forward to next, and we'll do some of that uh, this week. Yeah, goodness, I didn't even think about where we would typically be at this point in time. But yeah, August 28th, and we're headed into an offseason for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, one that will be very interesting, given the fact what we just saw unfold. Um, you know, go back to March and the Montreal Canadiens, 71 points through 71 games. You think that this season is going to be a write-off, and you're hoping that the Montreal Canadiens luck out and, and you know, win a lottery and, and get a top three pick. And, and, you know, obviously, given the fact who's expected to go number one, you know where that was going. But <laughs> but I mean, things so quickly, uh, you know, they make the playoffs, they, they go on a run. And now excitement is uh, is palpable uh, for the Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens. And this is going to be an interesting offseason for a variety of reasons. And we're going to get to some of them. Um, we talked about some of them last week. We're going to continue sort of on that thread this week. We had the press conference from Claude Julian, which we'll be getting to in segment two. Uh, we will be uh, looking at that, and he had some comments. Uh, specifically, um, I think the ones that are going to be most interesting are about Max Domi. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Max Domi here in the first segment, and we're going to be talking about Claude Julien and uh, and his press conference and his future with the Montreal Canadiens. That, of course, uh, given the uh, medical ins- uh, the uh, uh, emergency in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, was in question. So we'll be getting to all of that in segment number two. Uh, but before we go anywhere, Rick. I suggest we should probably give out the uh, how people could connect with us uh, via social media, via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET, because, of course, we always want to engage and and connect with our listeners. We sure do. And and as you said, the Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET, you can text that number any time of day, anything that comes to your mind, text us. You can email us, which uh, several... um, well, more than several lots of people did this week. <laughs> Info at allhabs.net. And then there's our, our social media accounts. Um, 
and uh, on on Facebook, there's a, a a large community that continues to grow even in the off season. Uh, more than forty two thousand members. Uh, search for All Habs, all one word, All Habs. Uh, Facebook.com slash all habs and be sure that you you like and follow the page so that you can be part of that conversation. Absolutely. As we say, we love to uh, inform, engage and entertain here and certainly as part of our name, the Canadians Connection podcast. That's how we make the Canadians Connection. Uh, So, Rick, uh, starting off with uh, some uh, exciting news for Montreal Canadiens fans. And of course, we've talked a lot about Alexander Romanoff. In the past couple of months, uh, of course, his contract, him signing his contract, he's going to be in Montreal next season. That's part of the excitement that I was just talking about with the Montreal Canadiens. But they do have a group of other left shot defensemen behind Alexander Romanoff, because if you remember back to last year's draft in 2019, 2018, the focus was centers. 2019, the focus was defensemen, specifically left shot defensemen. And one that they got in the third round Matthias Norlander, he scored a hat trick this week for Frolunda of this of, in the SHL, and they had an eight-three win over Malmo. Uh, clips emerging on social media, articles being written about this guy, and, and Habs fans uh, rightly getting excited. Well, as you said, there's that group of left-hand defensemen. Um, we talked about it in, in the pre-show. Uh, Jaden Struble, Alexander Romanov, Jordan Harris, uh, problem, you yeah. know. Maybe near near the top of that list, but also Matthias Norlander and uh, you and I were in Vancouver last year, and uh, some some surprising things happened. Um, things that uh, surprised uh, Canadians fans, um, and uh, one of those um, was was the way uh, the second round played out. Um, and so if, if you've forgotten, let's just take you back a bit. Um, the Canadians had a pick at number 50. Um, and um, uh, there, was, there was a lot of conversation at that point about Nick Robertson. Uh, Nick Robertson at that point was still on the board. Um, and uh, I know I was talking about it. I, I know that um, a few others in our group, we, remember we brought a, a, a huge group of, of uh, fans to um, Vancouver uh, to attend the draft in the lower bowl, the VIP seats. And they were talking about uh, Brett Leeson, who was in as a redraft um, and who eventually went to, to Washington. But uh, there was Nick Robertson. And we know that Nick Robertson played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. In the uh, their playoff run, and at that point, the Montreal Canadiens traded their pick. They traded pick number fifty, and that pick uh, came from uh, Vegas in the Max Pacioretty trade. Uh, they traded that pick um, to Los Angeles uh, for a third and a fifth, uh, a third um, round pick, which was uh, overall pick number uh, sixty-four. Um, and that was that seemed odd to us. Yeah, uh, and but all of a sudden at pick sixty four, Matthias Norlander was still on the board. That wasn't really expected. Um, he had fallen a bit. Um, now, why did he fall? And um, as you said, uh, there's been articles written about him, and and uh, Jack Han was was one of those. Um, 
that came out this week. Who's Jack Han? Well, he had been an analyst in hockey ops for uh, the Maple Leafs for a couple of years, assistant coach with the Marlies. And he was very involved um, in the the scouting side, analytics side, and, and in, in uh, um, interviewing some of these players at the Combine. And, and what we know and what we've said, uh, the Rocket Sports team has said, um, that one thing that Swedes excel at is interviews. The interviews uh, we've seen at the World Juniors, we've seen uh, any time that we've... The Swedes are far and away, the, as far as for young players, as a group, they're far and away the best. Why is that? Well, we asked. Um, and it's part of, as they call it, their curriculum. They teach uh, players how to interact with the media um, at a very young age at, in, in junior hockey uh, there. Except at the Combine, when Matthias Norlander was interviewed, he was terrible. He was, he was uh, as was described, aloof. It was like he didn't want to be there. Um, and character is a big thing. Character is a big thing for, for Trevor Timmons and, and certainly for Mark Bergevin. And um, so Ma- Matthias Norlander had, had kind of dropped down uh, a little bit. But, um, you know, was he having a bad day? Was he, was something else going on? Um, and, uh, the Canadians grabbed him with the the 64th pick. Um, and now, um, you know, comparisons are being made with, um, with, uh, other, other players, Philip Broberg that was taken, uh, certainly in, in the top 10, um, and, uh, and, and, uh, the Canadians grabbed him, and and uh, where is uh, uh, Jack Hand talked him up so much uh, that he that he made a bet with Corey Pronman. Yeah, Corey Pronman, uh, of course, uh, a prospect analyst uh, for the Athletic. So they made a bet, and um, uh, Jack Hand put two hundred dollars that Matthias Norlander will be averaging twenty three minutes a game or more, and putting up half a point a game. At the NHL level by age twenty-five. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. Wouldn't wouldn't the Mon- wouldn't Montreal and Montreal Canadiens fans love for that to come to fruition? Uh, and, and this is the part of it too, where you talk about was it just a bad day or something? When people say that drafting eighteen-year-olds is an inexact science, and yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment given the fact that the, the, the you know so much could be going into the fact, uh, going into that interview and, and why he might have been a little bit aloof on that day. And, you know, ultimately who you are at 18 and who you are at 25 could be two different people. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. So, but but regardless, yes, if Matthias Norlander ends up doing what Jack Hand thinks he could do, uh, that would be a huge win for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, certainly, yeah, Clips going around on social media. I mean, he looks like a real smooth skater. Yeah. And, and and go go ahead, continue. But uh, I mean, it, he, it's just real reason to be excited about this guy. And I was excited about him in the World Juniors, even though he didn't play that much. He played behind a guy like Broberg that you talked about, who I think would have a little bit more of the inside track in Sweden with respect to you know obviously being somebody that's highly regarded. But 
But when Norlander did play for Sweden, he did look really good. And a lot of the clips that you're seeing on social media, some stick handling, just he looks, everything looks like it's, 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 it's polished. Obviously, there's still a lot of room to go. I'm not suggesting that he's, you know, around the corner, but there's a lot to be excited about. Now, um, this is his first season with Frölunda. And um, if you're not following, um, uh, this is just their exhibition. Yes. Uh, So he got three goals, a hat trick in an exhibition game. Yeah. Terrific, and and watch the clips and and but but as you said, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, it's his first season in in the Swedish um, elite league. Last year, he kind of split the season uh, between uh, uh, Mo, uh, Moto there and and their their junior hockey, and then the uh, All Svenskan, uh, which is kind of their their equivalent of the AHL. Yeah. Uh, there and. Um, and played with Toby Enstrom, um, but he is. Um, I th- I think it's his skating that people notice. His his um, his really nice stride is really uh, um, good edge work, and it it allows him um, just to move uh, rather smoothly. And and he's smart, and he he uh, uses his stick well. One of the the other reasons that maybe he he dropped a bit in the draft is. Um, is size 5'11", yeah. 180, and and doesn't doesn't play a physical game at all. He's going to rely on positioning, uh, so that's always a risk. Um, uh, how is that going to translate to uh, playing against men playing in the NHL? And and we'll we'll know more of that uh, this season uh, that he um, as he competes with with uh, men in Forlunda. Absolutely, certainly one to watch with Matthias Norlander. So. Uh, but sticking with social media, because there was some, you know, last week we talked about the Brendan Gallagher video uh, that the Montreal Canadiens official Twitter account tweeted out with the caption, judge it for yourself. Um, <laughs> or, well, this was uh, Paul Wilson's tweets after the fact, judge it for yourself. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens official Twitter account has since deleted that post. Mm. Um, yeah, so... Perhaps it served its purpose in the time, and now they would just like to say, "All right, we'll, we'll forget about that for now." <laughs> or perhaps, uh, um, you know, they, they quietly did this, and and yes, remember, we yeah. were pretty critical of it last week. That there are some things you do and things you don't do, and and uh, and go ahead and send that to to the league, but uh, to release it um, with you know a short commentary from from Paul Wilson, yeah. Um, maybe maybe wasn't well received by the league and maybe the league asked them uh let's delete that and don't ever do that again yeah um and i mean you know involved in the in the in the heat of heat of a playoff series i mean it was it was something that yeah i don't know if it was necessary to be tweeted out but uh, like I said last week, I think, you know, they in response to some statements from Elaine Vigneault that maybe uh, rubbed the Canadians the wrong way, uh, they put that out. But now it's been deleted. And, yeah, you might be right in suggesting that it was the NHL that uh, that played a role in that. Um, something else of interest for the Montreal Canadiens and Montreal Canadiens fans uh, those that follow Max Domi on social media may have noticed that he has removed references to the Canadians in his bios on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, and he just completely took out any reference to the city of Montreal before adding back MTL 
Um, so Rick, um, <laughs> look, this, this has not been, this has been a week where we've seen crit, uh, some commentary on Max Domi. Uh, last week we heard from Mark Bergervan. We'll be talking about what Claude Julian had to say about Max Domi. But what do you make of, of this response from Max Domi? Wow. Um, just a, such, so, such drama, uh, you know, such a soap opera. And I, who knows what's going on in, in Max Domi's mind. Uh, we, we, we talked about maybe this was uh, nothing more than a negotiating uh, ploy, a tactic, uh, posturing uh, that um, he was going to use to rally his uh, fans. He's a fan favorite. People love him. Uh, so when he removed that from his his social media, re- removed re- references to to the Canadians, uh, t- Twitter and and Instagram, and they reacted and, and said, "Oh, Max, we love you. Don't go." And and maybe that's what his his whole intent was. Um, you know, it it generated all of a sudden there was trades happening all over the place. He was going. Uh, to Calgary for Johnny Hockey and and all this kind of it was it went crazy, uh, and then uh, he quietly put back MTL and and all was right with the world again. Yeah, and I mean this is um, it, yeah, like I said, we talked about that. Mark Bergevin said that his future is maybe a little bit uncertain and uh, uncertain and being an RFA. I mean, if if your general manager goes out and says something like that, I think. Um, you know, there's going to be some type of response there, and whether or not you think that that was the right one, uh, that's another question. But uh, certainly a, a move on the part of Max Domi in response uh, to his general manager. But Rick, moving on to what's quickly becoming uh, one of our favorite segments here on the Canadians Connection podcast. They said what? Um, so we have a lot of players who have spoken out this week. Um, uh, at end of season comments, uh, we've got some from Tomas Tatar, we've got some from Brett Kulak, some Jeff Petrie, and Spirit Kotkaniemi as well. So we'll start with those four guys. We start with Tomas Tatar, who has enjoyed a, a lot of success here in Montreal since his arrival back when Max Pacioretty was traded. Uh, and he was the guy that was, you know, just a part of the trade just to sort of make everything work out on both ends. Um, and uh, Tomas Tatar has since gone on a really nice run playing alongside primarily Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher. And uh, he said that he enjoys playing in Montreal. And and there's talk about um, uh, Thomas Tatar because um, uh, uh, the Canadians, as Mark Bergevin said last week, uh, just two uh, unrestricted free agents uh, this year uh, to deal with, Dale Weiss and, and Christian Folan. Uh, but next year, uh, that's when uh, Tatar and Gallagher, uh, Dano, Armia, um, Jordan Wheel, um, <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Petrie. Uh, so uh, there is discussion already about when are those guys going to be signed and if those guys are going to be signed. And, and so uh, that was kind of the, the backdrop. Uh, for uh, Thomas Tatar. I fall in love with the city. I think the fans are great. Uh, you know, I found a team, a soccer team who I can cheer for here. Uh, you know, the city, the team so far have been very fortunate to me and um, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I think the future looks promising. You know, I would really like to be part of it. But like you said, you know, sometimes there's uh, business decisions to make. They're not totally up to me. But, uh, you know, we will see what the future will, will bring us. The city, we spend a lot of their 
are really passionate about hockey, and I think that's just what I like. I think people are very dedicated about hockey here, and uh, I think that just motivates me, you know, to to try to be better in every game and every day. Didn't motivate him during the playoffs <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but, maybe maybe being away from those fans that he spoke so passionately about. <laughs> But he obviously loves Montreal. He loves the fans. Um, he even found a soccer team to cheer for. Yeah. Uh, has found uh, friends. He mentioned uh, uh, in another clip. He, he's found friends out off the ice. Uh, so he's he's happy in Montreal for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and um, I mean he's he's in an interesting spot. And you know, going back to the trade deadline, I was on you know the the. I was of the opinion that you should probably move on from Tomas Tatar, but I mean, this is a obviously given what's happened. I think, and this is going to be one of the conversations you have to have is whether or not you put too much stock into what's just transpired, and uh, you know, be loyal to guys um, who you know through seventy-one games weren't really producing. And Tomas Tatar, I don't think, is a part of that. I think he had a he had a fine season mm-hmm. uh, in spite of the team struggles, but he's a uh, yeah certainly someone to consider moving forward. Um, but another guy that that played really, really well in the playoffs um, is Brett Kulak. And when you talk about how much stock you put into what we've just seen happen in the playoffs, I think that there's no better guy to be the poster boy of that than Brett Kulak, because what we saw from Brett Kulak was something that we have not seen from him at the NHL level. He was uh, he was rushing the puck with confidence. He was playing with conviction. Uh, playing alongside Jeff Petrie uh, in the, the top four very effectively. Um, so he spoke about his confidence. He spoke about playing with Jeff Petrie and, uh, you know, the team having some leaders and uh, a nice mix a nice mix between those leaders and, and youth. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I felt good in the playoffs. And it, was, it was a fun time to play hockey and every game there's so much on the line. But uh, I think a big difference for me is just the, the mental approach I had going into the games in the playoffs. I was I was playing assertive and on my toes, and I was just playing to win every shift. I wasn't thinking about too much else. Or sometimes in the season, you know, I'd catch myself in, in a little lull of being out there just trying not to make a mistake and, and trying to do good by my team. And when you when you start thinking about too much like that, then it uh, it, it kind of interrupts that natural flow in your game and just your, your natural abilities to come out and play. And so I felt like I was... Uh, I was in a good state in the playoffs, and I was just—I was just having fun and competing hard every shift. I was on the ice, and uh, it, it felt good, and things were happening good for me. Yeah, I think it is. I think uh, obviously Jeff's really uh, high-end defense in the league, and and him and I play really well together. We have a good relationship off the ice, and and we like playing together on the ice. And yeah, so that's obviously the mindset we go in. But again, it's just. Now, you know, I look forward to uh, just preparing for next year. You see a little bit of what we are capable of as a team through the playoffs, and it, it makes you excited. And we know we can kind of shut down any line and, and we can beat any team, I think. Yeah, I think it, it's huge. You know, we got a few of the best leaders, I think, personally in the league. It's uh, Pricey and Webb's kind of lead the way on that front. And, and uh, yeah, for what we were able to to get from our young guys you know nick and and jk especially those guys kind of a lot of a lot of the times in games they would carry the load for the team and kind of kind of set the tone and set the tempo for how our team was playing so i think that's really impressive to see from some young guys especially in there 
their first experience in the NHL playoffs. So they were able to, you know, at times I thought they kind of controlled the play and controlled the game. So that was that was awesome to see from those guys. Uh, but like you say, the leadership is huge and, and just the, the preparation leading up to the playoffs. felt like we were all dialed in. Now that's a bit longer of a clip uh, than we'd normally play, um, but but because you said, um, uh, you know, the Canadians, it was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. It was a huge surprise for them to um, get past Pittsburgh and then do uh, pretty well against the Flyers, and it was a surprise for Kulak to do as as well as he uh, uh, did, um, and uh, that that. That spot seemed to be a bit of a weakness. We didn't know if it, if people would be ro- rotated in and out. Essentially, not. It was it was Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie um, for the duration of the playoffs, and and he, as you said, played quite well. We got um, a, 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 an inkling of this last week when we played Mark Bergevin's comments, and he said uh, that Brett Kulak uh, the the main difference was that he was playing with confidence in uh, the playoffs, in the postseason, uh, and and said that, um, you know, Brett Kulak was a healthy scratch for 15 games uh, yep. this this uh, uh, regular season. And, um, and it's because he would uh, beat himself up, but he would go out there timid, he would go out there, um, you know, with, uh, in, in kind of a fragile man- mindset. And, and that certainly changed uh, this postseason. The other thing that I thought was interesting that uh, that uh, Brett Kulak said was, you know, we wonder about the, who's the leaders on this team, and you look at the guys that have the letters and and all that sort of thing. And Brett Kulak said it, and um, others said it as, as well. This is Pricey and Webb's team. They are the leaders. They're the ones that lead the way. Uh, and uh, Mark Bergevin said last week, uh, if there was any question about, you know, oh, do we move them? Oh, do we, you know, uh, uh, help our core? By they aren't being moved, and certainly the players like a Brett Kulak don't want to see that happen either. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're two of the very best at what they do. And and just to circle back on the point about that where that spot was heading into the playoffs because you go back to the regular season there were a lot of nights where Ben Chirot played over 30 minutes because they didn't know where to go on that left side they didn't have anyone that they thought mm-hmm. that they could they could play and as you said Brett Kulak a healthy scratch a vast 15 games that's a that's a big chunk of the season that he just was not somebody that they thought that they could have out on the ice and here he here here he emerges as as and and find some of that chemistry that he had with Jeff Petrie from last season um, and, and yeah, like I said, I don't know how much stock you put into that, but it was impressive. It was incredibly impressive. And I thought that a lot of what he said there, um, and specifically about Kotkaniemi and Suzuki, who Jeff Petrie also spoke about um, when he was at, uh, when you know, in, in his uh, comments on, on this season, um, you know, at Kulak, I think, hit the nail on the head when he was talking about how they controlled the play, Kotkaniemi and Suzuki, when they were on the ice and just how impressive that was. But as I said, Jeff Petrie also spoke um, and uh, he, he talked about what this team needs to do moving forward and, and certainly uh, spoke on Kanyemi and Suzuki, as I said. No, I think we obviously the um, I guess the scoring on a consistent basis, um, you know, was our downfall throughout the, you know, the course of the year and at, at times, uh, you know, in, in the playoffs. Uh, Playing a defensive style game is important, but I think you know at the same time you have to generate offense, especially in this the new NHL. Um, you know, there's there's 
the games aren't, um, you know, going to be, you know, one nothing games. I think, you know, the the league's moving towards, uh, you know, more offensive. And I think, um, you know, where we got in trouble is, you know, when you give up two goals, but you're you're not able to score two to to, you know, to make it a game and. Um, so I think just uh, I think we just some offensive um, uh, some offensive threats and being able to score score goals on a consistent basis and you know that uh, I think you know a little bit is what we're missing is we're a fast team but you know I think we we lack some size as well um, so somebody that has you know has the ability to you know to play that that fast game but also brings I guess grit and and I guess a bigger a bigger body that. Uh, you know, can cause cause some havoc on the forecheck, but not you know not a guy that's just just there for his size. Somebody that has that, that has skill and and um, and some size as well. Uh, you know, guys like KK and and Suzuki and those guys. Um, you know, they really elevated their games. Um, you know, when we needed them most, and you know, this experience and uh, in the playoffs, I think is is only going to help them help their confidence um, to be to be even better. Looking for bland hockey cliches. Uh, don't go to Jeff Petrie. Um, no, he was um, a little more forthcoming than than we usually hear. He put on his coaching hat. He put on his GM's hat, and uh, he offered uh, his view of what's missing from the team, what the team, uh, what Mark Bergevin needs to go out and do. And and uh, uh, I I thought that was fascinating. Um, he said, you know, it's. It's great that we're a good defensive team. It's good that we're we're fast, but we need scoring. We need to generate yep. off, offense in this new NHL. Um, that that's um, and 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 uh, he also now he talked about size as well. Uh, and he he wasn't necessarily talking about the defense because he said we need size for forechecking. So he's talking about. Um, size up front, uh, players with uh, who can play with some grit uh, to add that to their lineup. I I thought that was fascinating. I, I was wondering when we were going to get to the point where you had players that would come out and say things like that to put pressure on Mark Bergevin to go out and add to this team because, listen, we talk about it all the time, having Shea Weber and Carey Price, the window is not, it's not a long one. It's still there, but it's not going to be open for a very long time, uh, not much longer anyways. So to have Jeff Petrie come out and say something like that, that I think that's huge uh, to, to say this is what we need and uh, put some pressure on, on the front office to go out and get it and add to this team. Uh, but one of the guys that certainly played physically up front and was huge on the four check and uh, certainly threw his weight around where he could was Yasperi Kotkaniemi. And... He talked about playing with that physicality, and and certainly, I mean, we we've talked about the you know sort of times where Yasperi Kotkaniemi may have struggled with confidence, where maybe the communication wasn't ideal uh, for him, and uh, he talked about what gives him confidence, and of course, touching on uh, Nick Suzuki, who uh, remember back to last week we talked about Kevin Hayes, who said that it was Kotkaniemi and Nick Suzuki that drove the offense for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, mentioned Kevin Hayes with uh, Suzuki. I, I liked his comment about uh, Suzuki being the Dollarama version uh, <laughs> of Ryan O'Reilly. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um, but back to Kakinyemi, and you said about playing physical. And uh, this first uh, response you're going to hear from Kakinyemi, he was asked 
um, you know, why did why is there such a difference? Why did you play so physically? Um, you know, and if you're looking for a, a, a deep uh, explanation, you're not going to find it here. Pretty much uh, <laughs> just for fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I think that's uh, that's part of the game, and uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's uh, keep keeps me awake all the time, and uh, you know, like I said, it's it's uh, fun sometimes. You know, I think I, I think I moved moved forward a little bit uh, this summer. I had uh, a little time to practice before uh, before the time in Toronto, and uh, you know, uh, I felt pretty good good there, and uh, you know, uh, feeling feeling pretty confident to, uh, to moving forward from this. Um, it, it, yeah, it always feels good, you know, uh, when uh, coach coach says things like that, and uh, it uh, it uh, for sure brings uh, confidence up and. Uh, you get the feeling that you have done something right. Me and Nick, we we kind of kind of do our best, and uh, hopefully, I will be will be good enough for for our team. He's a he's a great player, and uh, he's uh, he's always always doing something when he's on the ice. He's uh, he's, he's really really fun to watch, and uh, you know, great guy. I uh, really enjoy enjoy spending time with him, and uh, he's uh, he's a great player for this organization. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, you didn't get the deep conversation about playing with physicality from Yasperi Kotkaniemi, but hey, it's, it's, fun. It's, it's fun. It's fun. And it keeps them awake, you know. Yep. <laughs> I mean, when you're six foot three and Yasperi Kotkaniemi, you move around the ice with, uh, and he talked about his improved skating ability before. I mean, he's, he, I think he's enjoying all the fruits of his labor right now because he could get to those spots a little bit quicker and make those big hits that he was making in the playoffs. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was great to see, but he talked about Nick Suzuki at the end there and the emergence of those two guys specifically, um, it puts Philip Deneau in an uncertain spot with respect to the spot he will occupy in Montreal's lineup next season. And, uh, Philip Deneau, um, he wasn't, he wasn't very happy with the role that he saw in the playoffs. And this was via Mark Antoine Gaudin of the athletic. Um, it was a French, uh, it was a French quote, um, Lucy translated, I saw my role change in the playoffs, but with what I have proven, my role should not change in Montreal. Um, so, Rick, I mean, after the improbable playoff appearance for the Montreal Canadiens getting into the first round, beating out the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, that's not the type of quote that I would have expected to come out. No. Um, normally, we... We hear uh, players, particularly hockey players, talk very self selflessly about anything for the team, uh, whatever role I'm given. We ha- we talked about Dale Howarchuk uh, last week and about um, you know second only to to Gretzky for a period of time, and yet he went to that '87 Canada Cup and Mike Keenan said, uh, "We need you in a." In a defensive role, and uh, and he readily accepted it, um, even given his status. And and uh, this this is this is something we you don't usually hear uh, from a player. Um, Philip Deneau uh, only answered one question in English; all the rest were in French. So we don't have a clip from him. Um, he he just said, "I don't think I'm ready to take this." And that is his, uh, uh, as he sees it, a, a demotion to the third uh, third line. Although, you know, um, as as uh, analysts, as fans, everybody, when that move happened, when Philip Deneau was bumped to the third line, and and you saw uh, Kakinami and Suzuki bumped up and Excel, everybody was like, "Wow, finally, this is this is great." 
Um, but Deneau was obviously not happy. He said he didn't know if he was ready to limit himself to a defensive role. Um, he talked about um, that that uh, being a defensive forward is his bread and butter. And and we talked about um, uh, the the review of his defensive play this this year that wasn't quite as good. Uh, he wasn't very effective on the penalty kill. He wasn't effective as a, a defensive forward. He wasn't as effective on on his faceoffs uh, on the penalty kill. Um, and we talked about uh, him him being one of those guys who contract uh, discussions are going to come up. And, um, and, and, uh, so he was asked, uh, you know, does your role, uh, affect w- whether you are going to have a desire to stay in Montreal? And he curtly said, yes, that was, that was, uh, um, I, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's like I said, this is not the type of quote that I would have thought was going to come out after the Montreal Canadiens uh, surprise playoff appearance, pushing the Philadelphia Flyers to six games. This is not what I thought we would see. And listen, it's in the playoffs and whatever sport you're playing, you are going to at some point have to sacrifice your individual numbers for the betterment of the team. And let's not pretend that Philip Deneau, Philip Deneau still averaged the most ice time of any Montreal Canadiens forward in the playoffs. So the role that he was playing was a defensive role. Yes, it was. So let's let's look at what he's actually saying here because they shifted him down from playing with uh, from playing with Tomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher as he has for much of the past couple seasons uh, to playing with Arturi Lekkinen and Paul Byron to formulate this line that could better defend against the top players for the Philadelphia Flyers. So if you are a Tori Lekkinen or Paul Byron and you hear that quote, what what comes to mind? What do you think when you hear that quote from a guy who listen and he says that he's, you know, proven what his role should be. He's put up some nice offensive numbers, but respectfully, I would say that I think we saw what the limit is, what the what the peak is for a team that has Philip Deneau as their first line center last year and it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. This year we saw a lot of alleys. We saw a lot of low points, 71 points through 71 games. And to me, I think we've, we've seen that Philip Deneau can be an effective player, but if he's not willing to accept this demotion, um, or as he says, a demotion, even still averaged the most ice time of any forward for the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs, um, then I, I think that you have to really consider moving on from him before it gets to the point of him being able to make the decision because you have a lot of guys coming up. We talked about the 2018 draft. We talked about Ryan Paling last week, 2017 first round pick. You have guys coming up the system. So if you think that there's an opportunity, you can move Philip Deneau. And if he's unsatisfied in Montreal, then I think that that's something that you have to consider before it gets to the point of him having the ability to make that choice. Because yeah, like I said, this was not what I expected to hear and uh, certainly a lot of the conversation coming out of this year's playoff run was well look at what we got coming down the middle right you got Kotkaniemi, Suzuki and and Philip Deneau I think you're set for years to come and then that quote (laughs) yeah and um, Philip Deneau seems to have this um, uh, entitled entitled attitude and as if um, he was selected uh, to be the Canadians uh, first line center um, he was there by default. 
because yeah. there was no one else. There was no one else. Um, and now he he's uh, you know that that that's his that's his position. Um, and and let's be honest, um, he didn't perform in the in the playoffs. No, um, he didn't perform offensively uh, at all on that first line. Um, and uh, games three and four, um, he lost uh, the draws in each game that led to the winning goal. Um, so uh, let's let's not. Uh, He's overstating certainly um, his value, and um, and you know he's. I I, th- I think this is going to uh, either end up in him being overpaid, uh, having a, a contract where he has uh, great expectations and and a, and too much term, uh, or as you said, um, uh, um, uh, maybe it's time that uh, that uh, the Canadians move on from him. Yeah, and listen, there have been those that have tried to spin this as being a guy with pride. Like I said, there are times when you are asked as a professional athlete to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. If he's not willing to do that in a season where the Montreal Canadiens had 71 points through 71 games and thought they were going nowhere fast and ultimately make the playoffs and and push a good team to six games, if that's his takeaway from it, then you really have to question what his motives are as a professional athlete. That 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 just that's that's what this is. It's it's not something that you should have come out after what we just saw happen in Montreal. Um, so Rick, moving on to some very quick hits here. Uh, we got some league news. Uh, the Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes, penalized for violation of the NHL's combine testing policy. They lose their 2020 second round pick, which leaves them without a first, second, or third in this year's draft, and they lose the 2021 first round pick as well. And if they re-sign Taylor Hall, they will also not have a second round pick for next year's draft. And they also don't have a third round pick for next year's draft. So it leaves them in a very uh, difficult position. So we, we looked at this and, um, and, and they certainly messed around with the drafting and scouting and, and uh, there's rules around that. There's 20 instances of them violating those rules. And when you add up all the fines that, uh, many were thinking the fine would be in the neighborhood of $5 million. Uh, but the NHL went a different way, and I think this hurts them badly. Yep. Uh, this, is, this is a far more um, a difficult penalty for them to incur um, uh, than a financial one uh, would have been. And, uh, and as you said, um, that puts them way down in the draft. So maybe there are some opportunities there. Uh, for a team that has uh, 14 draft picks uh, to offer up some of those uh, for something and and uh, listen looking at the uh, looking at the uh, Arizona coyotes uh, roster uh, there's uh, a bunch of players you don't want and there then there's those that they're not going to give up um, yeah <laughs> is kind of the is kind of the 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 combination that you have there so I don't know if there's a nat- natural trade partner uh, with uh, between Montreal and, and Arizona but uh, they are going to have to do something the coyotes that is going to have to do something in order to uh, uh, replenish some of these picks yeah certainly a, a difficult spot to be in um, so Rick last week there was a story that emerged um, just before our show or a little bit, maybe a day or so before our show. I forget when exactly the timeline was on this, but Alan Walsh uh, posted a photo, a Photoshop, a, a Photoshop photo of Marc-Andre Fleury 
with a sword in his back with the name DeBoer on it. Um, yeah, so very, very, not very, um, you know, uh, not very veiled there <laughs> uh, in what Alan Walsh was trying to say. Um, it put Mark Andre Fleury in a very difficult position uh, with with his, you know, uh, having to answer for his agent's uh, post on Twitter. People say Alan Walsh, um, you know, has his clients um, back and will do anything to support them. Alan Walsh is an utter disgrace, and he has been for years. Uh, and uh, the NHL should uh, fine him, should sanction him. Um, he's he. This was way over the top. Um, uh, you know whether whether Flurry knew, and he said he he didn't know about the specific uh, um, uh, Photoshop. Um, but it, it was you know some question about whether he. Uh, supported or, or, or disagreed with the message. Um, listen, right in the playoffs, uh, after game one, and Alan um, Walsh throws a, a hand grenade into um, not only the right into the middle of, of, of the, the locker room because all of a sudden guys are looking at each other. And we know this has happened before. Uh, this happened with respect to the Montreal Canadiens with Yaroslav Halak and Carey Price. And Alan Walsh, who nobody knew who he was at the time, was uh, putting out um, just the, the this nonsense, just trashing Price, tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet. Um, and it it drove a wedge in be, in the locker room. Um, and it... it was partly be one of the reasons that, uh, and, and and I mean the Canadians obviously made the right decision. It was obviously based on, on uh, on Carey Price's uh, talent, uh, but um, you know it it uh, it affected uh, the locker room back then with uh, Yaroslav Halak and saw to his exit. Uh, Alan Walsh is also the. Um, um, uh, agent of Jonathan Drouin, and and you know he you know gave the the, the young guy poor advice uh, about walking out on his team, and and that had an, a negative effect and led him to be traded. I see Flurry. Uh, there's no way he can continue here. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to uh, with Robin Leonard, but uh, uh, wrong timing and just way over the top from my perspective. Uh, yeah, and I think that that was uh, that you weren't alone in that. That's the perspective that most have had. That's the thought that most have had. That it was just a completely, um, just the wrong time, and certainly uh, not the right way to go about it at all. Um, but Mark Andre Fleury's old team, uh, with which you know he's won uh, three Stanley Cup rings, uh, they made a trade this week. The Pittsburgh Penguins and the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, after being eliminated by the Montreal Canadiens, they knew. Uh, with with firing assistant coaches, you knew that there were going to be roster moves that were going to be made down the line, and they started early. And remember last week when Mark Bergevin talked about how he can make trades with other teams that have been eliminated, and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Toronto Maple Leafs made a pretty significant trade. Uh, the Penguins reacquired Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, they also acquired Jesper Lindgren and Pontus Auberg. In exchange, the Toronto Maple Leafs get the 15th overall pick, Evan Rodriguez, Philip Hallander, who's a bit of a strange one to have thrown in there. He's someone that's looked at as being a very uh, solid prospect 
that the Leafs are going to be picking up here and David Warsawski as well. Um, so Rick, that's, that's a pretty significant trade to get the off season started here in the NHL. That was a huge trade. And, um, I think there are a lot of people on, on social media that I've seen are, are panning, uh, Jimmy Rutherford. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, there's people on uh, social media that that don't really understand how to build a roster, and it's it's not uh, putting together all the players who are, are are you know the best, and it's a puzzle. It is a puzzle, and you you see that when uh, when people talk about Mark Bergevin's trade, and they talk about. Oh, did you see how? Oh, he won that. The uh, he he sent David Schlemko to the Flyers and and Byron Fraze and and he got back Christian Fallen and Dale Weiss. He won that trade. How did he fleece them so badly? Um, and and so you go through and and you see them. Uh, you see them. You, they they go through Mark Bergevin's trades and they say, uh, okay, he won that one. He won that one. Let's add that up. All right, carry the two. And and Mark Bergevin is the best GM in the. And I say, do you understand anything about hockey or or team sports for that matter? Jimmy Rutherford is saying, listen, the time is now. I want players who can contribute now. I'm reacquiring a guy uh, that I like and that my 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 roster needs. And yes, I'm, I have to give up a, a bunch and I have to find a trade partner that's looking to unload cap and, and all of that. But I'm not willing to wait two or three years for that 15, number 15 draft pick. I've got Crosby and Malkin and I need to... to uh, to, to build this roster now. So it's a, it's a different mindset than just comparing uh, the, the assets involved in a trade. Yeah, and, and I like this trade for both sides. I think Spirit Captain, yes. as I said, being reacquired by the Penguins. The Penguins are in a spot, yes, like you said, they want to win now. And for the Leafs, it gives them flexibility. That 15th overall pick, they might not use that 15th overall pick. They might use it, they might flip it, who knows. And getting that, that uh, Philippe Hallander as well, as someone that's highly regarded, it's it's a good move for both sides. I think that I, I'm a big fan of Kasperi Kapanen, and I think uh, the Leafs needed to make a move, and he was the guy that they went with first. Whether or not they make more, who's to say? Um, and and just very quickly as well, before we get into, we're going to take a quick break in just a moment, get into the Claude Julien press conference. But Kirk Muller is somebody who we've talked about in recent weeks, um, and potentially that he might have his he might have risen his his sort of the way that he is viewed the perception of himself across the NHL with respect to maybe it's it's time for Kirk Muller to be a head coach in this league again and i think as we talked about last week um, you, you know the question was answered will kirk muller be a head coach he wants to be a head coach um, will he be a head coach in montreal probably not when your team apologizes for having to place you there uh, doing due to a medical emergency, uh, you're probably not uh, next in line, and language only. It, it, it's unfortunate because Kirk Muller proved himself um, that he's capable, and uh, so if he wants an opportunity, he's likely going to have to go elsewhere. There's a vacancy in Washington. Uh, the Capitals say, uh, you know, they parted with uh, Todd Reardon, looking for uh, an experienced coach. Um, and uh, names have been thrown out like Gallant and Laviolette. Uh, but uh, one of the beat writers uh, did a very, uh, put together a very detailed case, uh, the case for Kirk Muller. And certainly Kirk Muller turned heads uh, because of, of how well he, he managed that whole situation, jump, uh, jumping in and taking over the team. 
uh, against uh, the Flyers. And uh, uh, there's a strong case being made for, for Kirk Muller. Interesting that one of the things that they reference goes back to the 2010 series that we talked about last <laughs> week uh, and and how Kirk Muller turned that series around. And and they don't... Uh, Yaroslav Halak is not mentioned in this article. It's all about the change of, of strategy that Kirk Muller put in uh, to uh, defend against the Capitals' um, uh, offensive uh, power and in uh, particular... Uh, Alex Ovechkin. And so there's a lot of respect. They have long memories. They remember uh, who, who defeated them. Uh, yep. or, and, uh, and Kirk Muller um, could, be, uh, could be a candidate uh, in Washington. And yeah, we're going to take uh, just a quick break. But that was something that Claude Julien did touch on in his press conference as well that we will be looking at as we did last week with Mark Bergevin's press conference. We're going to get to Claude Julien where he touched on his health and the play of his team uh, while he was away um, attending to his health. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Um, so, Rick, like we did last week with Mark Bergevin's press conference, we're going to go through Claude Julian's press conference because obviously there was more than just hockey that was discussed in that because the way that that Claude Julian departed the bubble um, with with a medical emergency going to uh, St. Michael's and Toronto 
um, and 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 all of the having the medical procedure that he did have. It wasn't just hockey that was on the table to be discussed with Claude Julien. There was also the question of his health and and where he was in terms of that. And 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 uh, there was some real fortunate news that emerged out of that press conference. So the first bit was that he will be the coach next season. And of course, yes. that was that was in question. We we didn't yep. know. Um, and he talked about his health. Uh, the other thing uh, in this first clip, in addition to his health, and we're glad that everything's worked out and, and he's on his way to a, a full recovery and he will return. The other thing that's interesting to me is uh, we remember how hostile the, the media were uh, to uh, Kirk Muller. And uh, they're heavily invested in, in uh, Claude Julian. They get, you know, little favors here and there and, and leaks and um, and um, so it's interesting that uh, one of the reporters talked about, well, what would happen if you weren't the coach here anymore? Uh, and uh, what risk would that be to your life? I thought all of that was interesting. We'll, we'll hear that in this first clip. And, uh, you know, I just want to reassure everybody that, you know, I am uh, feeling 100 percent. The doctors uh, have told me I will recover at 100 percent and that the risk of me going back will not be any worse than it was before it even happened. Make the adequate adjustments to, to deal with that kind of a stress. Uh, but my, uh, my health is not going to be a risk more than it was before this happened. Claude, I guess on the flip side of that, can you describe what the risk would be to your quality of life turning away from this that you love and that you want to do? Well, I think that there's probably, you know, Eric, there's probably a bigger risk uh, for my health if I had to, to step back because obviously, you know, when you're, when you're prevented from doing what you love doing, uh, there's obviously a, a mental impact on you. And uh, right now, I still feel energetic. I still feel like I got a lot to offer. And if that was taken away from me, there's no doubt it would have a, a huge impact on me. And, uh, you know, I've often said, you know, uh, if, I, if I didn't want to coach, I'd love to stay in, in the world of hockey doing something else. But I just love and enjoy going in every day and working with players. And, you know, uh, you could offer me another job in hockey right now, and I'd say no because this is what I want to do. So uh, hopefully I'm, uh, I'm going to be in a position to keep doing this for a while and uh, keep doing it till, uh, till I'm tired of doing it or uh, need to back off. Now, he, he's in such good health that he was on a riding lawnmower there the entire time. <laughs> uh, again, we apologize for some of the it's quality sir, yeah. of the audio. You'd think that a comp, uh, um, an organization that has a, a, a direct relationship with Bell Media uh, would have better audio. But, but that's, that's beside the point. Great, yeah. <laughs> uh, great that he's back. Great that uh, he's feeling good. Um, interesting that um, he said he wants to be around until he doesn't want to do it anymore. Not until um, he, he didn't think about the possibility of getting fired in there. But that's just that's just yeah. me. Uh, anyway, and you can't dare uh, you can't dare fire him because one of the reporters thinks that would affect his quality of life uh, if he wasn't doing this anymore. It's it's just to just to to set the tone of uh, and the backdrop of of. Uh, the differences uh, in how the media approach one uh, coach to another. Yeah, um, but uh, this was certainly a, yeah, when, when that was tweeted out, when I saw that, he would be back next season. Um, and he obviously said that uh, there's probably um, 
there's been many coaches that have had, there have been coaches that have had this before, and he's not going to be the last one to have <laughs> this sort of, uh, this, this episode, this uh, cardiac sort of uh, incident. So uh, it, it's good to know that he will be uh, able to make that full recovery, and it will be extend to, because we, Mark Bergevin talked about it, and it was like, there's recovery, and then there is returning back to this and the stress that might come with it. So we weren't exactly sure where it would leave Claude Julian um, in that way. So good to know that he uh, will make that in that full, full recovery uh, to be able to return. Um, but uh, moving on to the, the actual hockey uh, items that Kirk, uh, that uh, Claude Julian touched on. And one of them had to be Carey Price's play. And he was asked about that. And, and also, I mean, we talked about last week, Mark Bergevin saying that it was, you know, um, it was something on his to-do list to try to find a, a fit for backup goaltender uh, for Carey Price. So he also touched on that as well. Well, I think that there's there's definitely some adjustments we can make. And uh, uh, I think we've, uh, uh, Mark has already talked about it. I think the one thing, and we had discussed this uh, for quite a while, is that, you know, we really feel that Carey, when he's well-arrested, as you saw, and is healthy, he's an unbelievable unbelievable goaltender and as you can see two teams that have had you know a fair amount of success are able to rely on a almost a two goalie tandem and uh, we're not saying that the carry should be splitting uh games but i think carry uh we need to take some of the workload off of carry a little bit so that we can get the carry price that we saw in the playoffs more often than not so um, one of the things, and, 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 and it's important for us to play the audio and, and go over this step-by-step, step, both for Mark Bergevin last week and Claude Julien this week, uh, because they, they're telling you what they're going to do. They're telling you what they've talked about and what their plans are. Uh, so I, I see all kinds of people speculating uh, on um, uh, uh, social media, on Twitter, saying, oh, uh, Mark Bergevin is going to spend money like crazy in this offseason. Mark Bergevin last week told us he's not. Um, yeah. And and this this um, week we're talking, we're, we're listening to uh, Claude Julien and, and what changes uh, there are going to be. And he said uh, there are two teams... Uh, that um, that uh, divide the, the 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 responsibilities in goal, and that would give Carey Price uh, more of a uh, allow him to be healthier and and rested as we go into playoffs. This was his first reference, although he didn't mention the name of the New York Islanders, because here I'm assuming he's talking about Simeon Varlamov and Thomas Grease, who. Um, uh, uh, Varlamov uh, started 39 games, Greece 29 games. Uh, I, I expect Carey Price is going to start more than 39 games, but y- you get the idea. And um, it's clear as we go through this that Claude Julien uh, has paid attention to the New York Islanders and that he certainly likes what he sees there. Yeah, and and. It's, it's an interesting conversation to have because we talked about it last week and, and I said that I think giving Carey Price somebody that he can reliably look at up front as, and know that he's somebody that can score goals would be enough for Carey Price to get a little bit more solid sleep at night knowing that he doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, but it seems that the backup role is something that the Montreal Canadiens have identified as needing to be addressed um, and this would be the second straight offseason where they've tried to address that by going out and getting a backup goaltender. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet, and we don't know what avenue they will go down in terms of how they get that that accomplished. 
but that's something to uh, certainly pay attention to. So the forward depth as well. And listen, we talked about the emergence of Kotkaniemi and Suzuki down the middle. So there's there's more depth uh, with respect to the centers, and we'll be getting to Philip Deneau in just a couple of moments. But yeah, the the ability to roll four lines in the modern day NHL is, and that's something that the Montreal Canadiens. That's something that they've made sort of a staple of their of their team. No doubt, uh, our team right now, when it's at its best, has you know more or less four lines going uh, and pushing the pace. You see, the Islanders are doing the same thing right now. They they push the pace with four lines, and I think that's the secret to our success right now uh, with our hockey club. So hopefully, we can get a little bit of depth uh, up front that can allow us to do that. But uh, no doubt, uh, we we've talked about that uh, and. And there's no doubt Mark is going to certainly work hard at the, trying to help us, uh, you know, improve our team that way. Depth up front. Um, yeah. He'd really like uh, Casey Kazikas, uh, so, yeah. Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck. Um, you know, um, this is a copycat league. And um, we saw in the early uh, 2010s um, that... Uh, that Claude Julien, uh, Claude Julien with Boston, and then there was uh, the Kings that won with Big Heavy. We we've heard uh, Julien mention the phrase Big Heavy. We heard Trevor Timmons say to uh, Claude Julien, "We're going to get you some Big Heavy." Uh, yeah. It's something that that Julian wants and thinks is important, uh, so that you have all four lines going, and that over the course of a game, uh, you wear down your your opponent if all four lines are going, and especially one, you know that that uh, can lean on on the other team. Um, again, there was that reference to the New York Islanders. And as you noted off the top, if things don't work out for Claude Julien in Montreal, he's looking for a job on Barry Trotz's staff in, in, in Long Island. I think that's that's become evident. That's become very clear. <laughs> but uh, but moving to another interesting item for Claude Julien was being away from the team and seeing his associate head coach, uh, assistant coach Kirk Muller, take over the team, and and he talked about. You know, obviously, we thought that there was going to be this sort of communication, and, and there there probably was. But he talked about taking that step back and allowing Kirk Muller to coach how he wanted to coach. Well, I think he did a really good job. You know, uh, as Kurt mentioned, you know, we we had a plan in place for our team, and uh, uh, I didn't see that uh, derive after I, I left. If anything, we kept doing the same thing, and uh, you know, I still. Uh, I said it with a little bit of puck luck. We might have uh, had a different outcome, but uh, we played well. I thought uh, Kirk did a great job. Uh, I was in contact with him every day. We discussed our team, uh, and I said uh, the only thing I was not going to do, and uh, because putting myself in his shoes, I wouldn't want to be told how to coach. So Kirk uh, coached the way he thought was the best way to coach, uh, he's got some experience in the NHL as a head coach, so I really felt uh, confident that those guys could uh, continue to do the, the things that we had started, and uh, there was no doubt in my mind that the, they were going to do a good job behind the bench. So uh, kudos to them. I, I really thank them. Uh, I made sure of doing that uh, after it was all said and done. I thought they did a great job, and uh, not an easy job to step in and then try and replace a coach and then try and keep things going in the in the same direction, but they did a great job of doing it. 
So the plan was the same. Uh, they followed the plan, but Kirk Muller injected his own... Um, we heard him say uh, he had to listen to his gut. So some of the changes, some of the pregame changes, some of the in-game adjustments were Kirk Muller. And uh, credit to Claude Julien for saying, yep. I step back and let him do that because he's an experienced coach. He has experience at the NHL level uh, with with Carolina. And we saw uh, that that the players took notice. Paul Byron saying we trust him because he's been in this situation. Carey Price saying uh, he's making the right moves behind the bench. He injects enthusiasm. Uh, Kirk Muller kept his team focused uh, when losing the coach, and then with uh, you know the the shenanigans that happened uh, through the the course of the the, the series. Um, I you know. Kirk Muller did a great job, and and Claude Julien um, uh, certainly uh, uh, noticed that and respects that. Yeah, and he touched on two important things there, which were putting himself in in Kirk Muller's shoes and not and realizing that if it were him, he wouldn't want to have somebody telling him how to coach. But also, he talked about replacing a coach, but it was also the way in which Kirk Muller had to replace Claude Julien. It was after a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. It was after something that was, you know, for those guys, for those 20 guys, they deal with Claude Julien on an everyday basis. They see him every day. They travel with him year round. That is something that 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 ha- that was not an easy thing to do. And I think that that was something that maybe Claude Julien downplayed a little bit by saying, well, he replaced a coach. There's been lots of coaches that have been replaced. Not many after, you know, not having to step in and fill those shoes in that circumstance. That's a very difficult thing to do. And Kirk Muller did it very well. And uh, it was it was good that that uh, certainly uh, really nice of Claude Julien to uh, to to shine a light on that. Um, So one thing that. Claude Julien was asked about was because obviously uh, it was very it was a newsworthy item were the comments from Philip Deneau and uh, it it put him in a very interesting position to hear from the coach that put Philip Deneau in those positions uh, you know in that position that spot for the past two years well I I think first of all it's a mindset okay if you have players that are worried about themselves uh, more than they're worried about the success of the team then, you know, that, that, that becomes an issue. But when you have players that are just willing to come in and, and do what they do best, and this is what Phil has done. Phil has been a good player for us, uh, and that's why I answered earlier, if he continues to, to be a good two-way centerman, we're, we're in good shape here. And I don't think uh, we have to worry about anything else except the fact that we have some young guys coming along that will help our team become better. You know, at the end of the day, uh, what is fun in our job is winning. Uh, there's a lot of guys that uh, can end up with 90 points a year but be on a losing team, and they're going to tell you it, it wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, Now, uh, Claude Julien didn't um, criticize uh, Phil Deneau, um, but said in general, uh, if a guy's worried about themselves more than the team, uh, then we're going to have a problem. There's going to be an issue here. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that that uh, Phil Deneau is going to continue as a good two-way center, uh, but Phil Deneau has only gotten us so far, and it's back to what you had said. Uh, we have young centers coming up that will make us better. Uh, he stressed that. So I think he 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 framed uh, the argument for Phil Deneau. Now it's up to Phil Deneau uh, to uh, to be a team player, and uh, if he is, uh, then then there's a spot for a team, a spot on the team for him. 
because uh, Claude Julian said, and I'm going to paraphrase, uh, when you give enough of yourself selflessly, there's enough ice time for everybody, which I thought was That's, pretty pr- profound. Yeah, and, and, and Claude Julian also said, I'm not asking Philip Deneau to not score goals anymore. Like, there's still <laughs> going to be opportunities for him to chip in offensively. It's just that there are going to be less opportunities because you have more guys that are good at playing hockey, which is a good thing for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, of course, when we first, when we, our first experience with Claude Julien uh, in 2017, the Montreal Canadiens went outside. They, they made some additions in terms of adding some size. And we know that this is something that, that Claude Julien is very passionate about, and you just spoke about that a little bit ago. Uh, so he, he talked about, and, and, and also Jeff Petrie spoke about mm-hmm. it this week too. So he talked about the, uh, the proposition of adding some size. Well, you know what? It, it never hurts to be uh, bigger, but uh, you have to be efficient too. If you're big but not efficient, it doesn't help your hockey club. And uh, so I think at the end of the day, then we're going to try and improve our team whichever way it is. And as I mentioned just earlier there in French, you know, it could be some of our, our younger players that, uh, that are coming in and, uh, and getting an opportunity to prove themselves. You know, uh, it could be through uh, trades be through free agency i think uh, if anything we, we've really committed ourselves to make this team an even better team and uh, whatever it takes we're willing to do that so uh, there's no doubt if somebody comes along that's a big size player that uh, can help our team we're definitely going to jump on it but uh, at the end of the day right now the way our team is the biggest thing we can do is really have a, a four-line team that can really wear teams down uh, with our, you know, uh, with our speed, with our tenacity, shift after shift, kind of like what you're seeing the New York Islanders do. They're running four lines, and uh, we've done that for a while. Whenever we've been able to do that with a healthy team, it's been uh, it's been really good for us. But uh, you know, we unfortunately we've run into some injuries, and don't think we we necessarily had the depth. Uh, at the time to be able to uh, continue to do that, which uh, kind of slowed us down a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, we're definitely going to try and improve our hockey club from uh, before next season. And uh, a lot of that uh, will depend on what happens with the free agency, with uh, development of young players and uh, and other things. Well, uh, we heard the Islanders again. Um, again. We've heard two things. Um, Claude Julien likes to say at the end of the day, and he likes mm-hmm. to say the New York Islanders. <laughs> um, but he likes to play fast. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, add size, uh, right size, efficient uh, uh, size, uh, but, but um, um, and, and, you know, he's left the options open, whether that will come through uh, transitions of existing uh, players and you got to think he was he was thinking of uh, Romanoff there, um, and then uh, acquisitions, whether they be uh, trades or free agency. Yeah, and and listen, I think that one thing that I'm going to be excited to see is, given what we just saw unfold in the playoffs for the Montreal Canadiens, when he says whether that is young players and their continued development and giving them an opportunity, is that going to be more of a thing than it was last year? Because remember back to the beginning of last season 2019 2020 it was all about the youth movement Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't about the youth movement anymore (laughs) because they went with the older guys so now is this going to be a much more sort of 
um, you know, a, a genuine thing to give these young guys the opportunity to earn those spots. That's going to be very interesting for me uh, with, with, with respect to how this all unfolds and how we enter next season. Um, so one thing, as we've talked about uh, this week and last week, Max Domi, um, his role with the Montreal Canadiens going forward, what exactly is it going to be? And uh, Claude Julien touched on his whole season and, and what he, he envisions his role in the lineup to be. No, I, I think Max came in in his first year and was really excited to be in Montreal. And I thought that excitement carried him through his first season. Uh, there's no doubt there. Uh, we, we, as an organization, like him better as a centerman. I think the fact that he's a good skater, that he can move around, uh, suits him uh, much better. Uh, I think this year, you know, it happens where, you know, a, a guy has a great season. Next season, not quite as, as good, but he still had some decent, still had decent production, you know. So that part of it was good. I think uh, what I saw in Max this year, again, got away from uh, shooting the puck and having that shooting mentality, which uh, we really encouraged him in that first year to shoot more. And uh, he seemed to, to really buy into it and thrive on it and had a good season. So I just found this year, didn't shoot quite as much. Uh, loves loves to be a playmaker uh, more than a shooter. So I think uh, making that small adjustment could definitely get him back on track uh, to where uh, his production would uh, would come back closer to what it was in his first year. Uh, so uh, that's basically it with him. I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, we we ended up putting him on the wing uh, in these playoffs. Obviously, when you look at the other three centermen that were doing really well, uh, I, I guess our original thought, uh, as you heard me mention many times, we really feel that we're a great team when we're a four-line team, that we can wear teams down. We're not the biggest team, but we're a tenacious team. We're a fast team. So for us to wear teams down shift after shift is what's given us success. And so we tried to create that in the, uh, before going to Toronto, and uh, at one point, I know he liked playing with Dale Weiss. Uh, we thought, you know, uh, with Wheel, uh, you know, uh, being a, a guy that when he has a puck can be a playmaker, we tried to create a fourth line, uh, you know, with, with them. And, uh, and at the end of the day, with, the, with what happened and didn't quite work out, we ended up uh, having to move him to the wing to try and get some production from Max because we weren't getting it from the from the fourth line. So all that uh, having said, I think Max is uh, uh, much more comfortable and better suited at center than he is on the wing. So, uh, you know, it's something that we have to look at. Well, this this turned out to be the last question, and it's probably the, the question that most of us were looking forward to hearing, given yeah. all of the, the drama with uh, Max Domi and his social media account and the fact that, um, he had a, you know, didn't have a great season, certainly not compared to the season before. He, he didn't uh, have any kind of a, 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 a playoff. Even when uh, Gallagher was out of the lineup, you expect the kind of player that would step into that, that role would be Max Domi. Didn't do it. Um, but, um, you know, I think there's there's some reveals here from from Claude Julien, they see him as a center. They don't see him as a winger. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's, that's in line with, uh, with uh, uh, Max Domi's thought, too. He wants to be a center. The difficulty yep. there is, 
Uh, Self-admittedly, he's one of the worst uh, centers on the team in terms of face-offs. Um, he just, it's not something he does well or, or um, uh, aspires to do well. Um, and he can't handle the defensive load of, of playing center. Uh, and as Claude Julien says, the, there are three centers who are, are um, ahead of him now in Dano, Suzuki, and Kakinyemi. Um, so all of this is funneling towards, I don't see Max Domi um, having a, a long future uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. Will he sign a, 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 a short-term deal, He's, uh, you know, RFA coming up? Uh, maybe, uh, but I don't see them having interest in signing him to a long-term deal. And I had heard that uh, uh, from sources within the team before. Uh, but certainly, his 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 lack of playoff production, um, uh, you know, kind of cemented that. And uh, and the fact that you now have other centers that are ahead of him and doing doing it better, uh, and and placing him on the fourth line. Well, that's just because he loves to play with Dale Weiss so very much. <laughs> Who doesn't love playing with Dale Weiss? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but listen, and I think the important part in this, and the one that I, I thought was really interesting, was the first part where he talked about Max Domi came, and I thought his, I think his excitement carried him through. And that's where I think this is the most accurate statement, accurate sentiment about who Max Domi is as a player. Because when he first got to Arizona, he was excited to be in the NHL. He was excited to be there. He finished mm-hmm. sixth in Calder voting in his rookie season. That's not bad. He had a good rookie season. Second and third season, he ran into some injuries, but he also scored nine goals in each of those two seasons. He is not the guy that he was. He's not the 70-point guy. He could be a 50-60 point guy, and he probably would have been this year. You know, And, and that's the thing. I, I think that it's, it's difficult to really look at what Max Domi brings to the table without also seeing the things that he is not good at that really affect the Montreal Canadiens in a negative way. And you talked about face-offs. He wants to play center. He's not really good at face-offs. He takes really bad penalties a lot. And that's something that really hurt the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs when you need discipline. And he didn't have any. So for me, this is all, I think, yeah, as you said, this, this points to the fact that with three centers ahead of him, it's not going to look like my uh, like it's not looking like Max Domi is going to be part of the Montreal Canadiens for much longer. It could be, as you said, short term, but long term, and it's hard to it's hard to envision him being here for a very long time. Um, and yeah, it's it's difficult. But uh, Rick, we went through all the things that we thought were uh, of note in Claude Julian's press conference. So I guess we'll take a, a quick break, our last break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, so stay with us here uh, on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. 
Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 99 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We set off the top, it's the Wayne Gretzky edition, because of course, episode 99, number 99, retired league-wide by the NHL for Wayne Gretzky. But there's another connection that we'd like to make here, take the time, uh, Rick, and that is uh, one Mark Sertich. Mark Sertich, um, it's... Uh you may not have heard the name. Um, Mark Sertage passed away um, in the last week. And um, there is a tie-in uh, to 99 because he died at 99 years old um, uh, a week uh, a week ago today. Um, Surti, as he's called, um, is the oldest player in the world, uh, according to the Guinea's book, of world records. He turned 99 in um, July and uh, he was still out skating. Still, uh, he plays uh, he plays hockey. Uh, he's from uh, Duluth, Minnesota. And, and it's funny wow. because um, living in, in Thunder Bay, as I've mentioned, uh, we were in Duluth every uh, summer um, at least. And uh, so I'm very familiar with that. I'm actually uh, sorry I didn't, uh, we didn't get to cross paths with this guy. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark Sertage uh, grew up in, in um, Duluth and, and uh, uh, he uh, was in the grain business. He had seven kids. Um, he started playing hockey when um, he was in his 60s, thereabout. But uh, as he said, he didn't get real serious about hockey until he was 80. Um, you know, so uh, there's still hope for us, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I guess so. Um, but uh, he played uh, played every week with a group of, of firefighters and retired firefighters, uh, and just uh, the the spirit that he has, uh, the the positivity, uh, and uh, and and uh, just a devotion to a, a game that uh, that he loved. And uh, he was he he was very grateful in the interview I saw with his it, look up a picture his handlebar mustache oh yeah uh, the grin on his face he just 
enjoyed being out on the ice every single chance. And he said that uh, his teammates, um, you know, he was the sniper. His teammates were the playmakers and, <laughs> and uh, uh, that he wished he had put in a few more for them. Uh, but just a real good, uh, we do a feel good uh, story to end uh, uh, the uh, the Press Zone uh, podcast. Well, this is uh, definitely a feel good uh, story. Um, and we 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 uh, respect and, and memorialize uh, Mark Surtich here, uh, uh, his 99th year, still playing the game he loves. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, they say age is just a number. I don't think there's any better example than that. Getting into hockey, getting real serious into hockey at the, in, in his 80s. My goodness, that's yeah, um, incredible, incredible. Um, so, Rick, uh, this is just about. Uh, it for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Before we go, obviously, I'd like to say you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at all uh, at Joe Whalen nineteen. You can follow Rick at all Habs. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website CanadiansConnection.com, The All Habs fan page on Facebook as well. You can like that and, and join the community there. That is going strong. Um, as certainly as we head into a very uh, interesting off season. Here's the this is sort of the jumping off point for us here in terms of the off-season coverage that we will be providing here on the Canadians Connection podcast and at allhabs.net. And, uh, you know, the last, uh, this episode and, and last week's episode have kind of been an end-of-season review, and they've been a bit longer than, than normal because we wanted to give you a, a really comprehensive view of, uh, of both wrapping up uh, the, uh, the playoffs and, and the regular season and a, a first look at next season, uh, next week uh, and the weeks uh, upcoming. Uh, we're going to get you ready for the, the, the season that's uh, going to come up faster than you think. And there's, uh, there's going to be all kinds of, of uh, stories uh, for us to follow. And, and all you have to do is uh, just tune in to us uh, every Saturday or at your leisure uh, um, uh, on your favorite podcast platform. The Canadians Connection will make that connection for you and bring you the, the stories that you need to know. Absolutely. And we'll be right back with you next week for another episode here of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Thanks for listening. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.